this house. Woo! I just need about 300 radical people in the building uh, that know what it's like uh, to go through some struggles uh, and go through some challenges uh, and walk in the house of God. Throw your hand in the air. Open your mouth and scream in this place. Woo! Yeah! Woo! Come on, come on, come on. I might be sick in my body, uh, but hallelujah anyhow. I might have ran out of money before I ran out of month, uh, but hallelujah in the Woo! Push about eight people on the way to your seat and tell them hallelujah anyhow. Hallelujah anyhow. Woo! Robo Shaya, I feel something in the building right now. I feel a tenacity in the building right now. I feel a little strength in the building right now. Come on, I face some adversity, but I'm in the house of God anyhow. I face some challenges this week, but I'm here anyhow. Woo! You ain't got a reason to praise him. Uh, just sit there this morning uh, while some anyhow saints uh, give the Lord a praise in this house. Things might not be perfect in my life, uh, but hallelujah, anyhow. Woo! My family might be facing some challenges, uh, but hallelujah.
I feel like sometimes like Daniel in the lion's den. They threw me in here thinking I was going to get killed. But in the morning when the king came, there was a voice that ascended out of the lion's den that said, oh king, live forever. My God is able to bring me out. I just need a few people in the building that say I'm surrounded by lions. I'm surrounded by some situations, but I still got my voice lifted. Because I know God is bringing me out. God is bringing me through. Come on. Come on. I might not be out, but I'm coming out. I might not be out, but God's bringing me out. Hallelujah. Give him one more shout of praise in this house. You got to learn how to shout in the midst of your situation. I'm not waiting before I get out to give God the praise. Because I've got a revelation that praise is a weapon. I just feel like telling somebody the enemy doesn't know what to do uh, with the saint of God that just uh, won't uh, give uh, up. I hit them with my best shot uh, and they still got a smile on their face. Uh, I hit them with everything I got uh, and they're still running the aisles. Uh, I hit them with everything I got uh, and they're still dancing for Jesus. Uh, Somebody one more time, uh, open your mouth uh, and shout uh, with the voice of triumph. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Woo! Glory, glory, glory! Let's try it again. Give five, six people a high five on the way to your seat. Tell them you're in the house of champions this morning. You're in the house of some overcomers this morning. Somebody clap your hands and give the Lord a praise if you know he brought you out. Woo, you can be seated for just a few moments. I want to take a brief opportunity to say what a privilege and an honor it is this morning to have every one of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord with us. Rock Church, can I borrow your hands, your feet, and your voice? Can we give a standing ovation to all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord. Come on, give them your best welcome this morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the house of the Lord. We are so excited that you are here this morning. If this is your very first time here at the Rock Church, you should have received a VIP invitation card. And that card is simply an invitation for you to join us immediately after the service in our VIP room. Everybody knows that VIP stands for very important person. 
And if you're a first time guest here, we want you to know that you are a very important person to us. And we are honored that you're here worshiping in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen, somebody. We have a little understanding around here that you are only a guest for the first five minutes that you come through the door. After that, you're just at home here at the Rock Church. Would you spin around 360 degrees, shake every hand you can reach, and tell them welcome home this morning? Come on, tell them welcome home, welcome home, welcome home. Amen. We're so excited you're here today. What an honor it is to have Pastor and First Lady Kirk back with us all the way from Jacksonville, Arkansas. Jacksonville, Arkansas. Would you help me give them a great big welcome back this morning? Amen. Sister, this is Sister Mandy Jones' family. They're no stranger here. We love them. We're excited every time they join us uh, in the house of the Lord. So wonderful uh, to have them here. And then, uh, what an honor this morning to have uh, a great young man of God with us here. Brother Jaron Wilson's with us this morning in service. Would you help me welcome him to the house of the Lord? I want him to come and just greet this congregation this morning. We're excited you're here today. Praise the Lord, everybody. Oh, praise the Lord, everybody. My God, it's good to be here on Pentecost Sunday. Uh, Pastor, you said it, man. Listen, I feel such a victorious spirit in the house. Things may not be perfect, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Bible talks about in Isaiah chapter 6 that the glory of God, its train, his robe, it filled the temple. That glory represented his how victorious one king was during that time. And I feel the victory in the house. Listen, I don't know what you came into the house with, struggling with, but can I tell you, you picked a good day to come. Because we're celebrating the death, burial, resurrection of the one who can heal your body. Oh, I wish I had some apostolic folk in the house. We're celebrating the death, burial, the resurrection of the one who can reconcile every bit of pain you had in your body. Every bit of dysfunction in your family and in your mind. You have stepped in the house to the healer because his train fills the temple. His power fills the temple. His glory fills the temple. I wish you would get excited about his glory. Come on, get excited about his power. Because if it had not been for the... If it had not been for the blood on my side, if it had not been for the mercy and grace, that's why we get up here and get excited because I realized what I was and I realized where I could be. But if it had not been... about the fire of the Holy Ghost in this house. Woo! Indeed, you can be seated. Indeed, today is Pentecost Sunday. And uh, if you don't know what that means, in a very brief nutshell, the word or the prefix penta means 50. Uh, cost, Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover. Uh, we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are celebrating the day of Pentecost. Amen, somebody. We are celebrating the outpouring of the Holy Ghost according to Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, 
they were all with one accord and in one place and suddenly uh, there came a sound uh, from heaven uh, as of a rushing mighty wind uh, and it filled all the house where they were sitting uh, and there appeared am I in the right church uh, there appeared unto them cloven tongues uh, like as a fire uh, and it set upon each of them uh, and they were all filled uh, with the Holy Ghost uh, and began to speak with other tongues uh, as the Spirit of the Lord uh, gave them utterance. I'm glad to know uh, that the church is still alive today. I'm glad to know the Holy Ghost uh, is still moving today. Uh, I'm glad to know I'm still a part uh, of the original church. Uh, oh, put your hands together one more time. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Jesus told him, John the Baptist came and he preached repentance. He said, but there's one coming after me who's going to give you the Holy Ghost and fire. Tell your neighbor, I got the Holy Ghost and I got the fire too. Can I just tell somebody, they're not mutually exclusive. You can't have the Holy Ghost without having the fire with it. Yeah, this is an on fire church. I said, this isn't a, you ever been around a fire? Things are a little lively. Anyway, anytime there's a fire going on there, things are a little lively around there. We're excited about what the Holy Ghost is doing. How many of you have been blessed by the ministry of evangelist Xavier White the past few weeks? Amen. I want us to stand all over this house as we prepare for the entrance of the word of the Lord into this place tonight. We are grateful for all that the Lord is doing. Amen. This past week, we had more people baptized in Jesus' name, more people filled with the Holy Ghost. Are you thankful for that today? And before we leave this place, there's no telling what the Lord wants to do. Brother White, we want you to come and we want you to obey the Holy Ghost. We're ready to do whatever God wants to do. Would you put your hands together one more time as the man of God comes to deliver the word today? Well, come on, let's lift it to Jesus. He's the only one worthy. Uh, come on, Rock Church. I, I know you've shouted and I... I know you've worshiped, but one more time, could we clap our hands and lift our voices to him today? God, we thank you, Lord. We love you. We know that you're able. We know that you're all sufficient. We know that you're all powerful. We know that only you can we be free from bondage. We know that only through you can we be healed. Only through you can we be delivered. Come on, church, lift your voice with me today. with you I'm expecting I'm not just hoping I'm expecting that somebody's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost hey today's the birthday of the church what other way would we want to celebrate than to see somebody filled with the promised gift of the Holy Ghost today God's been very very good to us I'm very honored to be with you all yet again I'm so thankful for your bishop and 
the leadership of this great church. It is truly, truly my honor to be with you all, and uh, I give honor to them. I'm going to turn your attention to John chapter 3, verse 1, and I'm also going to turn your attention uh, at a later time to Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Are you glad you came to the house of God today? Hey, ain't no telling what God is going to do in this house, but I just believe he's going to work a miraculous work in the place today. You believe that? In Jesus' name. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night saying unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Notice he said water and spirit. There are people that want to tell you you only need to be baptized. There are people that tell you you only need the Holy Ghost. There are people that tell you you need neither. But he said unless you do both, you can't even enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And I'm going to turn your attention to Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, he didn't respond with some false doctrine. He said, no, let me tell you what you need to do today. On Pentecost Sunday, I'm going to tell you what you need to do today. He said, repent and be baptized every one of you. Not in any other name, but in the name of Jesus. For the remission of sin. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Has anybody received the promise today? He didn't say in the name of the Father. He didn't say in the name of the Son. And he didn't say in the name of the Holy Ghost. He said, do it in Jesus' name. So, so I, I believe that there's people in this room, you have been asking the question, what do I need to do? And I've got an answer for you. And my title today is from a simple thought. The answer is still the same. You need to look at your neighbor and say, the answer is still the same. No, no, you, they didn't get it. You got to look at the other neighbor. You got to get a little boldness with you, in yourself and say, the answer is still the same. It's the same that it was on the day of Pentecost all the way back then it's the same today you gotta be buried in the only name 
morning, Lord, I'm asking you to be with us the remainder of this service, God. God, anoint these lips of clay, God, that I could do your will, Lord. Lord, help us to be hearers and also doers of the word, Lord. Lord, move in this sanctuary. Send another Pentecost this morning. God, we owe you yes and amen. God, we plead the blood over our families. In Jesus' name. You can be seated. I've got a short time to convince you that you need to do it today. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, but you've got to do it today in Jesus' name. Let me explain something to you. A lot of people, there is an attack on truth in the apostolic church. Do you know it? There's the people that want us to believe that you don't have to do anything to acquire salvation. But my Bible tells me differently. Because he gave us everything, we ought to give him everything. And he said, listen, I understand that you've confessed in your heart. I understand that you believed on me. He said, but it doesn't stay right there. He said, you've got to be buried in Jesus' name. Then can the Holy Ghost enter into these earthen vessels. Then can the Holy Ghost guide, lead, and direct you. But you've got to be buried. Because what happens during burial, you put that old man in that watery grave. And that new man comes up, and not only is it a new man, but you've got a new name. And that new name, you put on Jesus. You took off your old self, and you put on Jesus. So what does that look like when temptation comes after me like it will? The Bible says when the enemy comes after me like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. So, so... You can be seated. I'm, I'm going to try to help us a little bit today. Because there is a beckoning question in this world and in my generation. People are seeking after truth. Not just a form of truth, but the truth. The only truth. The self-sufficient truth. Because if truth is truth, it will never have to be defended. And it will never have to be held up because it stands on its own. And thank God that we are in a building today full of people who found truth. And I, I, I'm not satisfied with just having truth for myself. I'm not satisfied with just having truth for my mama and my, my family, but I want to give your family the truth. Because the truth is, the world wants to destroy you, but God wants to build you up. The truth is, the world will lie to you, but God has a better plan for you. The truth is that the world wants to tell you you should be bound, you should stay bound, and you'll die bound. But my Bible tells me that once you've come into the knowledge of grace, then can God give you the keys that unlocks the bondage in your life. So you're saying, Brother White, what is truth? Well, I'll tell you what truth is. When I was, when I was studying this Jesus name message a long time ago, one thing that I came to the conclusion of, and you can try me on it if you want to, but I said to myself, I told my grandmother, she never accepted truth, and I pray that one day my family will. But one thing about it, I told my grandmother, I said, Granny, I said, if you could find me one instance in the Bible where somebody was baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, I said, I'll do it tomorrow. I said, you can call your preacher and I'll go down in that. I said, but I'm going to tell you the truth of the matter. 
The truth of the matter is not one time in the scripture did anybody go down in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. The Bible lets me know that when the Ethiopian eunuch said it's time, they said, well, bury him in Jesus' name. The Bible tells me when Cornelius' family said it's time, they said, bury him in Jesus' name. Hey, we're not some bunch of crazy people who just made up this doctrine. But on the day of Pentecost, when it was fully come, Peter stood up and said, this is the doctrine of truth. This is what will set you free. This is what will give you deliverance. You gotta do it in Jesus' name. And, and I'm gonna tell you, this world wants to lie to us and tell us that it doesn't matter if you're baptized, it doesn't matter which way you're baptized, all of that. No, but the Ephesians tell me there's one Lord, there's one faith, and there's one baptism. It then goes further saying there's one God who is Father of all, who is through all, and who is in you all. Man, that sounds a whole lot like oneness, don't it? Let me tell you something. I'm glad one day I found this oneness message. It set me free on ways I never knew it could. It made a way for me when I didn't think it would. Hey, listen, when my money got a little funny, I had the doctrine of the church. When my change got a little strange, I'm thankful that I had a God who gave me a name that I could call on and he could come to my rescue. You be seated. And so I remember, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about what happened for me, okay? Because I walked into that Pentecostal church on a Wednesday night. may have been a Sunday night. I can't remember, really. It was years ago. I was only 12 years old. I walked into that Pentecostal church. I, I got there on the bus, so just so you know where I come from. In case you got bus ministry kids that you're thinking about giving up on, you're standing at proof that bus ministry does absolutely work. And I came into that Pentecostal church and I felt like I wasn't dressed right. And I felt like my spirit wasn't right. And so I told them, I said, is it okay if I go sit in the balcony? And they said, sure, it's fine. And I went and I sat in the balcony of that Pentecostal church. And they got to singing and they got to shouting and they got to, they, you know how Pentecostals do. You know, they, they do a little much, but you know, when you really look around the room and you realize what people have been through, you realize it ain't near enough. And I remember those people was running the aisles and going crazy. And I just thought to myself, little 12-year-old boy, all the stuff I was going through, I said, you know what? And I know my mother's going to watch this, but I'm just going to tell the truth. My, when my family wouldn't stop arguing, when, when, when all the hate was, was surfacing on the surface of this little boy, when everything that was going wrong in my life, when everything that would have caused me to go down the wrong path, I just so happened made my way to a Pentecostal church. And I'm gonna tell you today, it's real, it's real. I know it's real, this Pentecostal blessing. I know it's real because I got it for myself. I know it's real because I've seen it work in other folks' lives. I know that this Pentecostal blessing's real. You can't convince me that you don't need to speak in tongues. You can't convince me that you don't need to do it in Jesus' name. You can't convince me that you don't need to live a life of holiness. Why? Because I've seen it work. I know that it works. And I'm not here to preach a holiness message, but I'm going to tell you, 
You better believe that the way we preach holiness and teach holiness is absolutely biblical. Why? Because it protects you. You know, I don't understand. You can be seated. I don't understand these folks that so badly want to attack our leadership because we preach holiness. I mean, think about that. That don't even make sense. The Bible says, be ye holy for I'm holy. And then he also says in Corinthians, he said, listen, ladies, I need you to dress in modest apparel. He said, I, I want you to do some things that, that, that is countercultural to the world. Why? Because when you're countercultural to the world, not only does your inward show that, but your outward is going to show that. But let me tell you men something, because our women get a big bulk of the holiness conversation. But the Bible also tells me that men, you ought to be holy too. And you, you might say, well, brother, how do I do that? It doesn't tell me how to dress. It don't tell you how to dress, but it tells you how to act. It tells you to be temperate with other people. It tells you to be patient with people. It tells you to love your wives the way God loved the church. Hey, let me tell you something. A man that don't treat his wife right, I don't have much for him. But a man that treats his wife right, I can say that man's living and walking in holiness. That, that's all on the holiness part, okay? I'm not going to keep on that. That's a soapbox, you know. Next thing you know, folks get to recording and I get in trouble. So Lord, help us. But that's the world we're living in. They can't stand this conversation. I don't understand it to, to save my life, but there are some folks you're sitting in this building, I know I keep bringing it up, but you need to remember sometimes. There are some folks sitting in this building, you may have been bound by drugs when God found you. You may have been messed up in the world when, when Pentecost found you. And it's sad to say, but the world would rather discredit your testimony than to say that this thing works. But I've come to tell somebody this morning, you've been searching for the answer and the answer is still the same. The same that it was back then, the same way it was for your grandma and grandpa, the same way it was for your mama and daddy, the answer is still the same this morning. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. You can be seated. And so, this was very interesting. Multiple times in scripture, people came looking for the answer. We see it several times. I talked about the Ethiopian eunuch, Cornelius' family. Matter of fact, Cornelius' family was praying and said, we know that there's something more, but we can't figure it out yet. And, that, and then those people that said, we, 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 we've been baptized, but we, we have not heard about this Holy Ghost. We, we didn't know there even was a Holy Ghost. And this way he said, he said, well, you got to go be buried in the name. He said, I know you've been baptized, and, and I understand that, but you got to do it in the name. That's the way Peter said it on the day of Pentecost. That's the way Jesus said it on Matthew 28, 19. Don't ever let nobody think, make you think that Jesus was saying to actually be buried in that way, but he was saying, I am the Father, I am the Son, and I'm the Holy Ghost. He, and you've been given a name, and the name it's Jesus. It, only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can heal. I, I wish somebody would shout the name this morning. Oh, you ought to shout it louder than that. Oh, come on. Shout the name above all names. Shout it till you feel a little bit of liberty. Shout it till you feel victory. Shout the name in the house. Shout it till you feel
feel deliverance coming to the room. Shout it till you feel your help come in the room. He said, this is the only name. Jesus, Peter said, one, one thing about it, he said it without saying it. He said, I received an understanding when the Holy Ghost came in. Because see, some things you can only understand once you've received spiritual insight. See, you can't understand everything in your carnal mind. He said, that which is flesh, born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Because when you get the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you, it'll start helping you understand some things. And so Peter got the Holy Ghost and then he said, we gotta do this in Jesus' name. He said, we can't do it in, the, in Father, Son, Holy Ghost. We can't do it in any other title. We can't do it any other way. We gotta do it only in Jesus' name. And so here, here comes all these people. He's surrounded by a crowd of people and he's posed with the question, men and brethren, what shall we do? We're lost here. My, my world's falling apart, preacher. I, I know you've walked with Jesus. I've seen the miracles that he can perform. And, and I'm seeing what's going on in this upper room. And, and I, I, again, I, I'm lost here. What do I have to do to be saved? And Peter said, you've got to repent. He said, not only do you got to repent, he said, you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. He said, and then you, the, you'll get it. I promise you, you'll get that infilling of the Holy Ghost. And then he says something that's so beautiful to me. He says, but the promise is not just for you. It's to your children and your children's children and your children's children's children, as many as our Lord God shall call. Let me tell you something. He's still calling this morning. He's calling your name. And he's saying, you need to make your way down to an apostolic altar. You need to come down and repent of your sin. And you need to let God fill you with the Holy Ghost this morning. It's the only answer for the world today. And let me tell you another thing. A bunch of Gentiles started getting the Holy Ghost. This was very interesting. Peter goes back to the apostles and he says, Hey, a bunch of Gentiles just got the Holy Ghost. They said, no, th this is for the Jews. He said, this is for the Jews. How do you know? Tell us how you know they got the Holy Ghost. Peter said, well, they spoke in tongues, just like we did, and prophesied, just like we did. Let me tell you something. You will speak in tongues when you get the Holy Ghost. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. You will speak in tongues when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And let me tell you what, what's, what the Holy Ghost will do for you. Because what you gotta understand is there was racial tension in the Bible. There ain't nothing new under the sun. I really hate that we're letting the devil lie to us even now in this day. But there ain't nothing new under the sun. But there was some racial tension between the Jews and the Gentiles. Surely to God, not the Gentiles yet. We ain't even saved all the Jews. But let me tell you what this Holy Ghost will do. This Holy Ghost will eat away all that racism you may have inside of you. Because I'm going to tell you, there ain't another president that could help us. Joe Biden can't do it. Donald Trump can't do it. Nobody can do it but Jesus. If you come to this Pentecostal altar and let God fill you with the Holy Ghost and with fire 
It'll burn up the racism inside of you. It'll burn up the prejudice that's inside of you. It'll burn up the hatred that's inside of you. It'll make you love your neighbor. It'll make you walk right. It's power to talk right. Power to live right. That's what the Holy Ghost is. It's power. Thank God for the power of the Holy Ghost. I said thank God for the power of the Holy Ghost. Because this power, they used to sing it. And I, I love that old song, Power to Walk Right. It's going to give you power to talk right. Power to live right. That's what this Holy Ghost does. Because in and of yourself, you are the flesh. You can't do it on your own. You know, I know it feels like I'm giving a really long altar call, but that might be what somebody needs right now. Because you've been sitting on that pew, you've been waiting on an opportunity, and I'm here to tell you that God's ready to fill you with the Holy Ghost. It's not made up, it's not man-made, but the Holy Ghost is real. It's so very real. And when you receive this power that God has for you, You'll go home and you'll be smiling because the day will look a whole lot brighter. And the situation might have been dark when you left home. But when you get back home after the Holy Ghost has intervened, ain't no telling what you'll walk back home to. But I tell you what, God will help you carry the load. God will help you. Be, he's a heavy load sharer. And so what we see in the scripture is that these people, they got to pray and God do something. Cornelius was praying, God, do something. Even the apostles, they, were, they didn't know what exactly was going to happen, but what they did know, they said, we know that we're waiting on power from on high. He told us we'd be endued with power. He said, so we're going to go back and we're going to wait with expectancy that God is going to fill us with power. Let me tell you, the easiest, uh, this is the way I explain getting the Holy Ghost, it's the easiest form. You've got to expect it when you come down to this altar. It's real quiet in here. I don't know, maybe. Let me tell you, there are many of you, you can testify that when you was going down to the altar just because everybody else was going down, you wouldn't get nothing. But the day you decided to make up your mind, you wanted the Holy Ghost, you walked down to the altar and it didn't take very long because you was expecting God to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Hey, when you come down here, you don't need to let life circumstances decide whether or not you get the Holy Ghost. You don't need to let everything going on outside of this building make you doubt whether or not God wants to give you the Holy Ghost. But you need to come down here and expect it. God, here I come. And I know that you've got something for me. If you want to give me the Holy Ghost, God, here I am open and available. And so... Let me go back to tongues real quick. I, you can be seated. A lot of people say, well, I, I'm just here to make the devil mad this morning. Is that okay? A lot of people say, well, preacher, tongues is another language. Y'all down there just babbling off. That ain't another language. But see, Paul said something very interesting. Paul said, I'm thankful I speak with tongues of angels. And he said, well, brother, we don't know what tongues of angels sound like. Well, good. That's the point. We don't have any idea what they sound like. But when a person's down here and they get to speaking in tongues and you feel an unction of the Holy Ghost and it might not, it ain't gonna sound like nothing you've ever heard and they have ever heard. 
but you just know because of that quickening of the spirit that it's the Holy Ghost. And it, it, it might it might sound like they're babbling in something crazy, but I'm telling you, it's the Holy Ghost. And, and, when, and when God gets a hold of that person and you feel that quickening, don't ever doubt and don't let the devil make you doubt whether or not it's the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you today, it's the Holy Ghost and it's fire. And it's the only thing that can keep us in this final hour. It's the only thing that can help us get through these last days. And so, let me tell you, the Old Testament gives us a little glimpse because in Ezekiel chapter 3, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is either 1, 2, or 3. Ezekiel, the Bible says that an angel of the Lord appeared to Ezekiel and Ezekiel had, could not understand what the angel was saying. Then Ezekiel said something very interesting. He said, then the spirit of the Lord entered into me and I can understand. Oh yeah, there's tongues of angels that you can't understand, but when the Holy Ghost gets to moving, all of a sudden you, God may give you the, the interpretation and, and next thing you know, you might hear what that person's praying and God's trying to get you to speak into their life. Let me tell you something, only through the power of the Holy Ghost can we experience freedom in the New Testament church. Only in, through the power of the Holy Ghost can we walk in a way that's acceptable unto God. Only through the power of the Holy Ghost. There ain't another way to do it. There ain't another way to be saved. You gotta walk in the Spirit, be buried in the name of Jesus, and let God change your life. Like that old song says, I came to Jesus just as I was. I was weary, worn, and sad, but I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. I found one day a resting place in him. I'm so thankful that God can give me rest. This Holy Ghost I'm talking about, it'll give you rest in a storm. This Holy Ghost I'm talking about, it'll give you peace in trouble. This Holy Ghost I'm talking about. In a world that's so filled with darkness. In a world that's so filled with darkness. This is the only light. You realize this church stands as a beacon to this city. You ever wonder why you get crazy folks that come in here and live? We all was crazy at one time. We all was crazy. I know I was. My pastor probably got so tired of picking me up on that bus a long time ago, but he saw some potential that said, I can't leave him where he is. You know, we was all messed up and wondering how God was going to help us, how God was going to give us an answer for the life trouble that we were in. And somehow, somehow, in, in God's infinite wisdom, he orchestrated so beautifully that right when you was at the end of the rope, he could have done it at the beginning. He could have done it in the middle of the ways. But he waited till you got to the end of your rope. Let me tell you why he does, did that. Because when you get to the end of the rope, you are so desperate for an answer that you'll do anything and try anything. And if you think about it, a lot of us Pentecostals, really we was just a bunch of people who got to the end of our rope 
and we didn't know whether or not that Pentecost thing would work. But you said, God, I'm so desperate for something. I'm so desperate to feel you just a little bit. I'll give it a shot. If it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it's work. It's not going to work. But let me tell you, every one of us are a testament today that it surely does work today. I promise you, you might be at the end of your rope. But this Pentecostal message, this Pentecostal blessing, it works And, and, and so, in our history, we see this thing called Azusa Street. Azusa Street was a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost. If you ain't never seen it, you need to look it up. It was a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Los Angeles. I've been to the site. It's very, very powerful. And in that meeting, which went on for three years straight, they had church every single day, twice a day. Some of us, we wouldn't even be able to make it through a week of going every day, twice a day, for three years. But they had revival every single day, and they had thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And immediately, people began to say, that, that message, it's, it's dangerous, it's, it's crazy, it's, it's, it's fundamentalist, you don't need to be around that stuff. But let me tell you what the message was doing to people because it went beyond racial backgrounds and it went beyond what we thought God should have been doing. And, and next thing you know, you had people like C.F. Parham and, and, and Charles, Charles, I'm forgetting his last name. I shouldn't have even said it. My God, help me. I'm getting old a little bit. But you had these Seymours and and, and G.T. Haywoods, and they all were showing up to this meeting in a, meet, in a time where black folk didn't go where white folk went, and, and white folk didn't go where black folk went, but they were sitting next to each other, and they was praising God together, and some of them was getting the Holy Ghost in those little buildings. And let me tell you something, you look around this building, we're still seeing Pentecost do that very thing today. I just want to tell you, it's not going to be another riot that's going to help us with the racial tension. It's not going to be us looting and doing all that stuff. But I tell you what it is going to take. It's going to take a red-hot, Pentecostal, apostolic church that'll stand up and boldly proclaim, you need to get the Holy Ghost. That's the only way it'll burn up all the mess in your life. And... People was getting delivered from drugs. And people was getting delivered from abuse. And people was getting delivered from sexual perversion. And people was getting delivered from everything you can think of. Because there was Pentecost happening. But let me tell you something. We don't trace our roots back to Azusa Street. We trace our roots back almost 2,000 years ago. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, we were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. And it said like as a rushing mighty wind, not just any kind of wind, but a mighty wind. And that's why the Bible says you don't need to be pushed to and fro by any wind of doctrine. Because one thing God knows is that the devil tries to imitate him. And so what that looks like is every now and again, there'll be some wind of doctrine that creeps up. And it latches, tries to latch itself onto the church. Why? Because it sounds like 
Pentecost. It impersonates itself as Pentecost. It gives us this ideology that, that we can do what we want to. That's why so many churches fall by the wayside. I'm not trying to call nobody out, but it's a shame that we have so many churches in cities that used to be apostolic. Now they don't resemble apostolic in any way, form, or fashion. But I'm going to tell you what, I believe, and, and I, I stand firm on this. I believe that, thank God, the Rock Church of Fort Myers has a bishop that's going to stand firm and tell you, you don't need to do that. We don't do that in this church. We don't, we don't say that in this church. We don't dress like that in this church. We don't baptize like that in this church. We believe in the Holy Ghost in this church. We believe in Jesus' name in this church. And it doesn't matter what the world says about it. I'm going to bury you in Jesus' name because that's what the Bible says. See, there's, you, you got to be thankful. I, I know I keep talking about leadership, but leadership is a part of Pentecost. Because imagine if the 12, the other 11 apostles had not stood with Peter on Pentecost. See, it would have been different if they had said, no, Peter, Jesus didn't say that in Matthew 28, 19. Jesus said something different. You're going against what Jesus said. But that ain't what happened. Peter stood up and said what he said, and the people that followed him said, we agree, and it is so. And they said, let's start burying them right now. Now, please understand when I'm talking about burying, I'm talking about that watery grave. Because what you got to understand is when you come up out of that watery grave, you leave the sin nature in the water. I don't know what the, I, I, I don't, I haven't studied it all the way out, but there is a spiritualism to baptism that we don't see with the naked eye. You got to understand this isn't just us doing something because it's a ritual. We don't do that just because that's what everybody does. We do that because there is something that transpires while you're in that water. And when you go down in Jesus' name, there's something that stays down there that was a part of you before. But when you come up, I see if you ain't never been baptized, you don't know what I'm talking about. But to the people that's been baptized, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You came up out of that water and there was, there was something that had shifted inside of you. It was almost like you could lift your hands higher than before. It was like you could dance a little lighter than before. Because when you came up out of the water, the chains stayed in the water. Because God delivered you that day. God brought you out that day. And when you came up out of the water, you left the old man behind. And behold, all things became new. You ought to tell your neighbor right now, I'm a new man. And if you're a woman, say, I'm a new woman. The things I used to battle, I don't battle no more. The things I used to fight, I don't fight no more. The things that used to tempt me, they don't tempt me no more. Why? Because I left the old man and I picked up the new. <laughs> Thank God for Pentecost. Thank God for Pentecost. The Bible says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord. One place, suddenly, there came a sound. Then this is what he said. And all that believed were together, had all things common. They sold their possessions. And they continuing daily with one accord. See, it's not enough to just come in the house and be in one accord. We've got to be in one accord 
Astor. He said they continue daily in one accord. See, when you join this Pentecostal church, you join a family of believers. You're, you're, not, just, you're not just a random person that, that we count on Sunday. That, that's not what this is. You, 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 you got us mistaken if you think that's what we are. That's what the denominal world wants from you, but that's not what we want from you. We're trying to make sure the heavens packed to the brim. We're trying to take as many people with us to heaven. And he said, we continue in one accord. And so what does that look like? That looks like when you see each other out in Walmart, you still ought to be in one accord. Hey, I, I know folks that are dodged, tuck and weave when they see a brother or sister out in Walmart. But the Bible says you ought to still be in one accord. Hey, you weren't doing nothing no way. Why don't you go talk to them and see how their day's going? Check on the children every now and again. Make sure they're still walking the straight and narrow. Hey, we're a family of God that are concerned about each other. We're not just a bunch of people who come in to punch in a time clock. That's called a social club. But we are a church family. God's called us to be together in one accord daily. He said, this is what he said though. He said, they continuing daily, one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. Everybody say all people. See, this is, this is, this is something us Pentecostals have to work on. I understand that they might talk about us, but we ought to have favor with all people. I understand that the server might not do their best job, but we ought to have favor with all people. Well, I had about 20%. I want the other 80%. Let me tell you something. We ought to have favor with all people. Servers, waiters, waitresses. It doesn't matter if they just clean your room at the hotel. You ought to have favor with all people. You ought to walk by them and say, good morning, how you doing today? God's been good to me. Have you heard about the Rock Church of Fort Myers? Let me tell you about it. It's a great place. You can come and get the Holy Ghost. Hey, that's how we have apostolic revival. He said all people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Let me explain something. You realize that Pentecost is not just a Sunday and Tuesday religion. It's not just a, you should come to church with me on Sunday or Tuesday. It's a, hey, if you want to be buried in the name of Jesus, we've got water today. I promise you, it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt nobody's feeling on this staff. I, I, know, I know they're here almost every day. And I promise you, it wouldn't hurt nobody's feelings if you called and said, Bishop, hey, I got a baptism. Somebody wants to be buried in Jesus' name. Can you meet me at the church? Can, you, can somebody meet me at the church so I can have this person be buried in the name? Hey, it wouldn't be offense at all, but I tell you what it would be. It would be Pentecost reworking inside of you. It would be an apostolic revival like we've never seen before. It would be apostolic to its core. 
Because when we get out of this mentality of Pentecost, it's only Sunday and Tuesday. Next thing you know, you're going about your daily life, but you're telling everybody you can. You're telling everybody. Let me tell you something. This ought to be the biggest church in Fort Myers. Why? Because when the people of God get on board with the vision of the man of God. Hey, I still believe God wants to fill that balcony up. I still believe God wants to fill these pews up. I still believe God wants to send us an Acts 238 revival. But it's going to depend on some people that'll make up their mind and say, I'm going into the harvest and I will not come back empty-handed. Well, come on, lift your voice with me today, church. I'm almost done, I promise. I'm almost done. Because what does Pentecost do for us today? Like I said earlier, we're a beacon. This church is a beacon. This message is a beacon. Because the light of God shines from this place. So what does that look like, Brother White? That looks like every time, every time that, that we have people that are random visiting, nobody invited them, nobody knew who they were. It's not by happenstance that you wander into this place, but it's because God has made this place a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. And I, I think so many times about those elders who labored before me. I think so many times about my bishop, my Bishop Holmes and, and the work he's done in Little Rock. I've talked to him many times about that work and how it came to be. Let me tell you something, Pentecost, Pastor Bishop said something one time to me that was so profound, Bishop Holmes. He said, he said, everybody sees the church on I-40. He said, but nobody saw when, when we was just a small little thing on the other side of the track. He said, we were in a neighborhood nobody wanted to be in and we were a group of people nobody wanted to be associated with. He said, because Pentecost has never really been that way. Let me tell you, Pentecost has always been an other side of the track type religion. It's always rubbed the world the wrong way since we came into the picture. But I want to tell you this morning, Pentecost is the only answer for this world today. I'm just going to be honest with you, not Trinitarianism, not New Age believism, not Easy Believism, but Pentecost is the only answer for the world today. You gotta be buried in Jesus' name. You gotta have the infilling of the Holy Ghost. You gotta walk holy and righteous before God until your dying day. That's the only way that God can intervene in your situation. That's the only way. Stand with me all over this place. This morning, I'm, I'm, I'm closing, but I felt such a burden to preach this message, and I pray to God that I'm making it make sense to you. But here's what I want you to understand. You need the Holy Ghost. I know you're probably thinking, I got a few more years. I got, I got a while. I, I can give my life to God whenever I choose. Listen, you have no idea what's plaguing you. You have no idea what's waiting on you when you leave the doors of this church. Hey, don't wait for tomorrow. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. 
Hey, if you're struggling with depression, I know a God that can help you. If you're struggling with anxiety, I know a God that can help you. Maybe you have financial difficulty. I know a God, he is the greatest that can help you with those situations. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks. I know a God that can give you peace in your marriage. Maybe your home's a wreck. I know a God that can help you. I know a God that can do all things, but you've got to come and surrender your will to his will this morning. As they're getting ready to play and sing, I feel such a burden. I'm going to tell you my testimony one more time. I'm sorry. But I just feel like somebody in this room, you're struggling. And I'll never forget the day I came to truth. I was struggling. Life was hard. I know you're saying you was 12 years old. Yeah, I understand. But you have no idea what that 12-year-old boy was going through. And to find a group of people that just loved me through it. To find a God that accepted me in my mess but didn't want to leave me in my mess. To find a God that said, I understand you're hurting. I understand your father walked out on you. I understand you, you, you're struggling for an influence in your life of somebody that can help you learn how to be a man. And that God brought me to a Pentecostal church where those men loved me, showed me how to be a man. My pastor picked me up for years on a church bus, sometimes in his own personal car. Let me tell you, you found the answer this morning, and it's Pentecost. The same answer that was given all those years ago is the answer for you today. You need to repent of your sin. You need to let them baptize you in Jesus' name. And you need to let God fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues. That's the only way this morning. As they begin to play, let's gather around this front for just a moment. Because if you need the Holy Ghost, I, I, I implore you, find somebody. Find somebody say, help me pray, please. I need the Holy Ghost. I need God in my life. I need God to intervene in my circumstances.
I want you to keep praying right now, but I feel led in the Holy Ghost. There's some of us in the altar right now, and you say, okay, I want to pray. I know God's dealing with me. I know I'm supposed to respond, but Lord, I don't even know what to do right now. Here's how simple repentance works. The first part of repentance is what the Bible calls godly sorrow. The Bible says godly sorrow works repentance. What is godly sorrow? Godly sorrow is you feeling something in your heart uh, that says, God, I know I'm wrong. God, I know I haven't been living right. Uh, it's that thing inside of you that causes you to come to an altar. But once you get to the altar, the next thing that has to happen is there has to be a changing of your will. Uh, there has to be something on you uh, that turns all the way around uh, that says, God, I've been doing things my way uh, but I'm turning around God uh, and now I'm going to do things uh, your way uh, that's what repentance looks like uh, come on right now all over this building uh, just lift your hands uh, lift your voice uh, don't worry about who's standing next to you don't 